Thank you for downloading The Luminous Mind, episode 35. We're all born with that desire to learn. Sometimes it gets squashed or derailed. But if we can just, as mothers, learn how to minimize the distractions and not force the learning, then they keep that desire to learn and then they get to that point where they can teach themselves. Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Celestia Shumway. She's a homeschooling mother of seven. She has two that have graduated and are now at college on academic scholarships. Her own junior high experience was enough to convince her to homeschool when she had her own kids. She loves babies, breastfeeding, homeschool, learning, creating, reading, eating, blogging, and serving people. Welcome, Celestia. I'm totally slaughtering <laughs> your name. Okay. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) All right. Well, I've given our audience a little bit of background on you, but do you want to kind of expound upon that? Tell us about your family and maybe some of your hobbies and passions and then, of course, your profession. Okay. So I spent the first half of my life moving all over the place. I was born in Arizona, lived in Michigan, Illinois, New York, and then um, my dad's a professor at BYU, so we settled in Utah when I was in fourth grade, and so I finished out my public school years in Utah, and then I went to BYU on a scholarship, and, you know, I really loved to learn. I was a really good student, but I I could see problems with the public school system, and I can get into that a little bit later. But <laughs> anyway, I got I met my husband at BYU, and we got married, and I was going to go to medical school, but I also wanted to start a family right away, and I, I just decided I couldn't be a doctor and a, the kind of mom that I wanted to be because I wanted to be home with my kids when they were, you know, yeah. <laughs> once they started coming, so... I had applied to medical school and I got halfway accepted, like I was on the alternate list at a university and I flew out for an interview and then I ended up not reapplying. I'm sure if I had reapplied and kept persisting, I would have eventually gotten in, but I decided to not pursue that and I had a job at a at the University of U Medical School. I was a laboratory assistant to a medical school professor. And at that time, I had decided it was time to start my family. So once I was about 38 weeks, I told them, you know, when I'm about two weeks away, I'm going to quit my job because I want to be a full-time mom. So I haven't looked back. That was 21 and a half years ago. And so my oldest is 21 and my youngest is five. I have seven kids, five boys and two girls. And my husband's an attorney and I have loved homeschooling. It's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. And just about two weeks ago, my 16 year old came to me and he said, mom, I'm so glad you decided to homeschool. (laughs) I'm so glad you decided to do leadership education and it's been the greatest thing for me (laughs) (laughs) I love it when they finally recognize that yeah 
Yeah, sometimes we get those payback moments, and it's really sweet. You want to tell us kind of about your profession, too, and your passions? Well, I would say my profession is full-time mom, full-time homeschool mom. So my passions are everything to do with that, you know, cooking, (laughs) training kids how to work so that I'm not the only one cleaning. (laughs) Well, and with seven kids, (laughs) like, I definitely need some help around here. Yeah, so training them and how to cook and... Um, how to keep a house and teaching them. I've taught all my kids how to read and about five of them I've taught how to play the piano and I'm also a mentor. I'm trained with the Eternal Warriors program that's under the umbrella of life-changing services with Maurice Harker in Farmington, Utah. So I'm a mentor and I teach Eternal Warriors classes which I have targeted towards mothers and I call it the mothers who know class so it's a class to help you recognize self-betrayal self-deception habits and then so that you can prevent addictions in yourself oh that's interesting yeah so that's really fun I've been doing that for two years and I've met a lot of moms I've mentored over 100 moms through that class and it's it's been a joy I've met a lot of different people that way and I've also been a La Leche League counselor, which is a volunteer breastfeeding counselor, but I retired from that last spring after doing that for 15 years. Since I've had seven kids, I've been interested in childbirth, and I've five of my seven babies I've had at home, so I've had that experience with water birth and natural birth, and so I've always been interested in birth and breastfeeding, and then as my kids have grown, I've just kind of become interested in what they've been interested in, especially with homeschooling. So I've observed a lot of mock trials and freedom bowls and different things like that that they've done. Those are fun. But yeah, I love Commonwealth schools. I trained to be a mentor in one of the projects that the Commonwealth schools use is the Lemmy projects, the scholar projects, and I trained to be a key liberty sort of freedom mentor through okay. that. Okay. All right. Great. And and you also have a website where you blog different things, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was inspired by the natural mothering movement as I got into breastfeeding and natural birth. And so I was a reader of the Mothering Magazine by Peggy O'Mara, which is based in New Mexico. And they um, currently don't have a print copy anymore. They just went digital. But I just thought, wouldn't it be cool if I started a movement of Christian-based, especially LDS-based natural mothering? So that's why I started that website. I kicked it off with a conference back in 2009 for natural spirit-led mothering. So I had Leslie Householder and some other speakers come in and we talked about just different topics relevant to moms like being a um well leslie's forte is helping moms find businesses they can do from home so i had her speak about that and i had a class on gardening and homeschooling and getting kids involved in different forms of entertainment that's not just watching tv so so i had different topics like that that are pertinent to moms who want to be off the conveyor belt of education and media and consumption. Well, and I when I was looking on our website, I mean, it is just, there's a just a plethora of information on there. So like I, I was telling her earlier that we may have to have just a, a podcast just about her website because there's so much on there. So lots of great resources on that. Now you talked about your own personal, like junior high was, was enough to convince you to homeschool your kids. 
<laughs> Can you do you want to tell us about your personal educational experience? Yeah. So I, you know, I went to the typical public school system and my junior high was about I don't know, maybe 10 elementary schools fed into that junior high. So I just felt a little bit lost when I went to junior high because all of a sudden there were 10 times more kids than what I was used to. And and I did well academically, but socially I just felt lost. And I didn't like that I was forced to be with all these kids every day, six hours a day, when some of them didn't want to be there they didn't want to be learning. They just wanted to goof off. And yeah, and distract everyone else from learning. <laughs> yeah. And there were a lot of, you know, adolescent boys there who were doing things they shouldn't. And so I just thought, I don't ever want my kids to have to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> it is through. a suffer through. <laughs> this, the worst part of civilization is junior high. So, so. I- I've had people say to me, well, you know, we all survived the public schools. And I'm like, I don't want my kids to just survive. (laughs) I want them to thrive. Exactly. Yeah. And and then I went to high school and I took AP classes and I did very well. I passed seven AP exams. And so I got college credit and was able to start BYU as a sophomore. But I remember some of the kids there just being so disinterested in learning. They would say to the teacher, well, what will you give me if I do this work? They were just that unmotivated. Wow. (laughs) They weren't there to learn. And I just thought education is a privilege. And it really is. And if you're if you don't want to learn, I'm okay with that. So go be somewhere where you want to be. (laughs) And I also as part of my high school experience, I participated in a time release program where I was allowed to assist my mom who was a kindergarten teacher in the public school system. So every day for that last period. I would go help her and that was like the nail in the coffin to convince me that public school was not the system I wanted for my own kids because I saw how restricted she was and what she could do and that it was just hard to... Now the bureaucracy (laughs) took over the education, I'm sure. Yeah, and just that schooling was more... Public schooling was a lot of crowd control and not having kids there that want to be there and want to learn. Yeah, it is frustrating. So is that at that point, did you decide that's how how come you wanted to homeschool or why did you? Yeah, well, that was like it started in in junior high and that (laughs) that was just confirmation in high school. So when I got married to my husband, I said we would be homeschooling and he I don't know. I don't think he believed me. (laughs) (laughs) when When my oldest was five he said okay it's time to start him in something so I want you to check out all the private schools in the area and I started looking through the yellow pages but I just knew that's not how it was going to be and I thought well first of all how are we going to afford this and second of all I don't want to send my kid away I want to be the one having fun learning with him why would I want to send him away to someone else so I just told him we're going to homeschool so (laughs) so that's how it was and And he he was just okay with that he was well that's great (laughs) sometimes they're like no 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 I don't like that idea so that's great but he accepted it and I think he later decided that he was glad that I decided that I think in the first few years he wasn't so sure (laughs) yeah some dads have said they just are worried that their kids are going to be weird is that was that a concern of his that no he never voiced that that's great can you tell us about what your educational philosophy is and maybe the curriculum that you use yeah 
Okay, so I basically do the Thomas Jefferson education philosophy, which as I've studied it, I've learned that it, it resonates with a lot of different ideas that are out there. And so I kind of have expanded it and called it organic education, which fits under the umbrella term of educational perennialism. So if you just Google that, you'll find there's a Wikipedia article about educational perennialism. There's a, a set of slides at slideshare.net. Well, there's actually more than one set and you can go study those. But the basic idea is that a person is an organic being. We're not machines. And so we shouldn't just be stuffed full of facts, but that we, we have seasons of learning, which the DeMille's with Thomas Jefferson education, they call it phases of learning. I like to call it seasons of learning to follow the idea that we're kind of like a tree where we grow and we have different seasons, just like there's spring, summer, winter, fall. So so I believe that in the spring, that's childhood. And children learn different from youth and from adults. And so spring is the time to plant the seeds of truth in a child's mind. And then summer is the time for them to really think about those truths. So this would be youth, what the DeMille's call scholar phase. And spring would be what they call core phase and and then mission phase is pretty much adulthood it's where we express it's what i call fall so that's when we harvest the fruit that comes from our minds interacting with these seeds of truth and experimenting and practicing and then we finally come to this clear idea of what our mission in life is and then we go do it in our adulthood that's or, great yeah starting i mean it could start in young adulthood and i've seen that with my own kids my 21 year old my 19-year-old and my 16-year-old, I've seen them start to bring forth this fruit of... Like where they have a mission and yeah, they're out yeah. there to help and serve. Yeah, their something. mission in life. The season of winter for education would be older adulthood when you start to lay up and store the fruit to preserve it for future generations where you lay the groundwork to leave your legacy. So as I studied this, I, I figured out that these seasons of learning, you can find them in other educational philosophies. They just go by different labels. So with the classical education philosophy, which is where we get Susan Wise Bauer with the well-trained mind, mm -hmm. they, call, they call it the grammar stage, the dialectic stage, and then adulthood. So yeah. grammar, grammar stage is... Um, core phase. It's where kids get familiar with the language and vocabulary of different ideas. And then the dialectic stage and the rhetoric stage are, are where they start to communicate through speaking and writing. And then the quadrivium would be college level coursework. And then there are these other authors, Josette and Sambhava Louvemore. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but they wrote a book called Natural Rhythms of Learning, and they use the labels of body being and emotional being for that core phase. And then for the scholar phase, they call it will being and thinking being. And then for adulthood, they call it the integration of body, emotion, will, and thinking. And then I found this other book called The Stages of Learning by Marilyn Hauschall, H O. W-S-H-A-L-L. -L. And she calls what I call core phase, she calls that, you know, what I call spring or childhood, she calls that preparing and collecting stages. Summer or scholar phase, she calls thinking and communicating. And then the mission phase would be career. Wow. Kind of, I guess what I'm getting from what you're saying is that you know, where it's organic, you're seeing all these different people kind of pull in the same concepts. They just call it different stuff. You know, they call yes. it different phases and stuff. 
Exactly. So, and how do you think knowing those phases as a mother helps you be better at homeschooling? Well, it helps me not to force things so that... Like too uh, early. Yeah, so I can watch for signs of readiness. It just makes homeschooling a lot easier. I'm not asking that my seven-year-old write write a term paper. (laughs) Right, Yeah. exactly. Or I wait for my kids to ask me. Well, I did have one child who started reading on his own, but he had a little bit of a few little sounds where he wasn't quite getting them right. So I sat down with him and helped him finish out how to learn how to read. (laughs) But he started it. But with all the others, I've waited till they came to me and asked me to teach them. And it just makes homeschooling a lot easier because I'm not sitting there forcing them to do stuff when they're they're not ready. And when I feel like they're ready, I I start requiring a little bit and I ask them to do a little bit of math every day starting when they're about age eight or nine. I'm letting them mostly do unschooling until they're ready for the serious reading and writing, which I think happens around age 12. That's great. And how have you noticed that that's worked? So many parents, I think, would just be freaked out by that idea that you just wait until they're ready. I mean, do you have some kids that are way, way old? Or have you seen it happen in a, in a pattern type? Um, well, I well, my two oldest kids, I didn't really embrace this philosophy fully from the beginning with them. I did force them to do a little more in their earlier years. But then I kind of relaxed as I learned more about this organic education And so I really call my third child my guinea pig for this type of education. And he didn't really start reading fluently until he was about nine. And I never really thought of him as my most verbally articulate child. You know, he didn't start talking much until he was about three. My husband actually thought that he was learning disabled and asked me to get him tested. And after about a year of dragging my feet about it, I finally did and turned out he was normal. (laughs) But but this child is 16 now and he's become my most verbally articulate child. He wants to become a public speaker and he was on a mock trial team last year for the state of Utah. His team took second place and he was voted best of me for the team. So he's definitely developed those verbal reasoning and verbal communicating skills. And I just, I haven't ever by a curriculum to develop that. He's just developed it by taking speech and debate classes and being around other kids. We have a homeschool speech and debate league taught on the Wasatch Front and being with other kids and participating in that class really motivated him to learn how to be great at speaking and debating. And so I I really think it's great once kids are around age 12 to get them with other homeschool kids and classes because that peer motivation is really good for them. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So is this Dallin that we're talking about? Yes. Great. Uh Okay, well, we are excited. We have him coming up on our podcast. So we'll get to meet Dallin and talk to him. I, I was at our winter homeschool conference and I had just this other family was just like, you've got to meet this kid. He's amazing. So, so I'm really excited to actually kind of talk to him. He just kind of came over and jotted down his information. I didn't really get to say a whole lot to him. So that'll be great to meet him. So what is some of the best advice that you've received as, and it sounds like you definitely have put your homework into studying, you know, your educational philosophy. Has there any been any great advice that you've gleaned from that? I think the 
the best advice was to not be afraid to let my kids work and ask them to work. And just, um, I learned this a lot from Rachel DeMille and then other moms, just to teach your kids to work when they're young and then set up your home so that it facilitates scholar phase so that as the kids get older and into scholar phase, they're released from more and more of the housework duties. Because like right now, the kids... 12 and under or 13 and under they do all the dishes and clean the bathrooms and do the vacuuming and my 13 year old does the laundry and so once they get to be about 14 or so they only do dishes like one night a week and they don't my my son's overhearing me (laughs) so okay maybe it was 15 when I took him off doing dishes more he just does dishes on Sunday now but he he doesn't clean the bathrooms anymore or do the laundry and he pretty much has six to eight hours a day where he studies that's great I highly recommend the uh, Lemmy project scholar phases he's he's taken all those starting with Key of Liberty and right now he's in what they call the self-directed scholar phase class and so now he just this is just such a great way to get kids to um, be self-starters and have that initiative to come down with three things that they want to study and then they write their own curriculum. This is the Edison Project. So that's what he's been doing right now. And he he's completely self-governing. He comes to me and he says, Mom, I think I want you to come back and teach me some more piano lessons, <laughs> which I had done when he was younger. And then he didn't want it anymore and I just let it rest and then he came back and said okay I can see that I want to learn more piano that's great (laughs) yeah and then he'll say I can't do this right now I have to get my 40 hours in of study so I can't go do such and such so he's just completely self-governing in his schoolwork at 16 and my 13 year old's getting to that point (laughs) it's a amazing you know what they can do when they actually decide that it's you know it's them you know that wants to drive that so yeah so i i just think the best thing you can do is in your home make make scholar phase the ideal the the prize that the kids want to get to (laughs) where they're released from most household duties and they see that that is fun and they get a lot of privileges with that and you know it's not all work he does have some play and I've limited the electronic distractions in our home and I did have payback with my 21 year old he served a mission for our church and he wrote a letter home to me and he said I just want to thank you for homeschooling me and I want to thank you for not letting me have sleepovers and for letting me choose which college I went to and <laughs> and he's just seeing things out in the world going hmm maybe I didn't I had a pretty good life or <laughs> yeah like that. so that was payback and I did see payback with him because I let him pursue his passion as well and for him it was computers and he would listen to a lot of podcasts while he would do the dishes and do the laundry when he was 12 13 14 and till the next sibling came along and took over laundry and Um, So he taught himself how to program, and he got a job over the summer after his first year of college being a programmer at a software company in Provo, and he was such a valued employee that on his day off, they called him up and asked him to come in, and he said, I can't come in because I promised my grandma I'd help her can some grape juice, and the boss said, oh, we have to have you come in today, so how about if I 
pay my brother and his girlfriend to come over and do Holy cow. <laughs> and help your grandma and you come into work. <laughs> so so he never That's took hilarious. a formal class on programming. He I feel like I cultivated these seasons of learning for him and he got to the point where he could just teach himself. That and that's how amazing. I think it can be with most things. But yeah. we're all born with that desire to learn. Sometimes it gets squashed or derailed. But if we can just, as mothers, learn how to minimize the distractions and not force the learning, then they keep that desire to learn. And then they get to that point where they can teach themselves. And so, Well, thank you. Before we go on, let us take a minute and hear about our sponsors. Hey, Firestarters. This is Mark, producer of The Luminous Mind. If you're like me, the thought of going out to the store and shopping is enough to make you want to crawl in a hole and hide. If that's you, then do your shopping online through Amazon. Just go to theluminousmind.net, click on the Amazon link, and shop away. Also, most of the books and resources that Rebecca and her guests discuss can be found on our Amazon links as well. Again, if you're like me, you have already accidentally signed up for Amazon Prime. So most of those purchases should have free shipping as well. Good luck. Subway and natural mothering. What do you think about socialization? We've we have talked about you know your own experience, and then also you know how important those Commonwealth schools are. But you know that's the big question that we always get asked: is what do you do for socialization, and then what do you think it means to be socialized? Well, I do the Commonwealth schools, and I find that that's plenty of interaction with other peers, and I think socialization is highly overrated. <laughs> it's probably the only thing that they can point to, you know, public schools can point to, like, you got to go there for this, you know. I've always said it's a myth. <laughs> yeah, Basically. I just think real life doesn't put people in age, strict, narrow age categories. Yeah. And and we can learn more from being with people from all ages, which is what a family <laughs> and a home is for and getting together with other families. So, yeah, I, I believe socialization is a myth. Yeah. Like in a profession, they don't have you, you know, sectioned off by age either. So yeah, right. it, it makes an uncomfortable situation for kids later on. So, you know, you talked about your son serving a mission. I had a, a missionary approach his mother and say, you know, I wish I would have spent more time working with people of all ages because he had a really difficult time getting out and talking to people you know, that were older and then maybe some that were younger. And, you know, he had a really hard time trying to interact. And so I really think there's a benefit to that. So what are some of the biggest obstacles you face? And then what are some things you've learned from those obstacles? Probably for me, one of the biggest obstacles has been in the past three years or so, my husband's income got reduced by about 75%. So I've, I felt that pull to go get a job. <laughs> I thought, well, I if I did that, I couldn't be a homeschool mom. How could I do that? And I just, it was just tempting, but I just thought, there's no way I'm going to put my kids in public school so that I can go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just 
prayed about it, asked for help, and God has put different things in my life that have led me to mentor the class that I do that has helped supplement our income so that I can help pay the bills but still be at home because I do my mentoring from home. So I just, I'm a firm believer in the power of prayer and connecting to God. So do you ever have times when you're discouraged and what do you do to combat that discouragement? I do have times like that, but they don't last very long. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not in regards to homeschooling at all. I sometimes feel discouraged about other things. And I specifically in my class that I teach, Mothers Who Know, we talk a lot about overcoming discouragement and those other negative feelings. So I just apply what I've learned in that class and... So if you want to know more about it, come take my class. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I know like as a mom, you know, sometimes I just feel discouraged. Like, well, am I just, am I going the right direction with this child? You know, what else do they need? And so, yeah, sometimes we have discouragement uh, in other places like that. So that's great. So what are some successes that you've seen um, with your homeschooling? Well, like I said, my son, the oldest, he was able to get a job in between college and mission, that pursuing his passion and not just flipping hamburgers. He also got an academic scholarship to George with University that first year after he graduated from homeschool. And then he he got a, an academic scholarship to BYU, which yeah, he gave up awesome. to go to George with. And it was awesome to see him at the competition with the oral exam, to see him be so knowledgeable about so many things they asked him about the Constitution. You know, he's able to say what each article was about. And he answered questions about history and government philosophy. So that was really rewarding to see that and then to get that letter from him when he was on his mission and then to have him come home and just go right off again to college on an academic scholarship which he again got one to BYU Provo but he decided to go to BYU Idaho instead oh that's interesting (laughs) yeah so he's there right now they they gave him a scholarship up there and his sister is there at well and she's on academic scholarship and it's been gratifying to see what she's done with her education. She she had some classes where she would question what the professor was saying and cause him to dig deeper <laughs> with what he was teaching. And he came up to her afterwards and said, I'm really impressed with you. You're not the typical student who just wants to get by and just do the bare minimum. So will you be my teaching assistant? So that is awesome. So she was offered that job, which is one of the cashier jobs you can have when you're in college (laughs) where you don't have to be scrubbing toilets. Yeah, exactly. So and then she also got an academic scholarship. So she um, she could choose not to work if that was the case, if she wanted not to work. But I think she's enjoying being a teaching assistant. Lots of stuff to learn with that position as well. So Yeah, and I've seen her pursue her study of ballet, which has really been a passion for her. She did it when she was younger and let it go for a while, and then she picked it back up when she was about 17 and has oh, wow. carried it on into college. And, and I just feel like, wow, she's... Because I always wanted to do ballet, but never did. So it's fun to see your kids... Learn things that, at least for me, I should talk in first person. It's fun for me to see my kids learn things that I always wanted 
to learn like ballet and computers and yeah and to have the time to do that as well yeah so yeah and just to see that they aren't constrained by the things that I was constrained by yeah the public school system that's great. It's kind of fun where you have older kids. And um, sometimes we have, as you know, when we have younger kids, we can't see, you know, we don't see an end point to it. And we're worried, you know, we're always just worried that where are they going to end up? And, you know, I've had numerous people tell me your kids will never go to college and stuff like that. So I think it's encouraging to hear parents like yourself that have done it and their kids are, you know, thriving academically in, in the real world, I should say. So so what are some personal habits that you have that you think make you successful? Well, definitely connecting to God through prayer and reading of the books that I hold sacred, the scriptures. Just like a cell phone has to recharge every day by plugging into its power source, I I have to plug into my power source, which is God. And I do that through prayer and scripture study and then journal writing, which I had let go by the wayside with more and more kids and with this eternal warriors training that I took as a student and then later as a mentor, I've learned the power of journal writing. There are certain questions I can ask myself that help keep me on track and help help me be less distracted so I stay in the frontal lobe of my brain so I can accomplish my goals. Oh, that is great. I need to get back into my journal writing. It's actually, I just brought it up, set on my desk, because I'm like, I've got to start into this. But <laughs> Mostly because of my church responsibility. Um, we are supposed to be helping our young ladies uh, with, you know, per- move along their their goal setting and stuff like that. And one of the things that we tell them is to, <laughs> to keep a journal. And I'm like, boy, I'm the worst, <laughs> you know, <laughs> worst mentor on that. So I better start working on that. That's great. So what are some ways that you organize your time and your family responsibilities? We talked about having your children do, you know, take some of those responsibilities on. But how do you organize that as a mom? I I sat down and made a chart of dividing up who fixes dinner and lunch. And we all take a turn, even my husband. He does dinner on Sundays. And the 16-year-old just fixes dinner one night a week. And then the rest of us each have two I do one night and then I teach the younger kids. I teach, they help me on two other nights and then the 13-year-old does two other nights. And and for that day, so we do lunch and dinner and then I do the breakfasts and the breakfasts are just really simple. And then I just, you know, took all the other chores and divided them up and among the people. And then I had to, you know, get the backbone to actually enforce it and, you know have a consequence if they don't do their chores which they just get to go sit on their bed until they're ready to help and then they get the reward after they do their work of getting to have free time and you know and I would teach them and be with them the first few times the whole way to show them how to do it and then watch them do it that and we great yeah and we have our structured learning time in the morning where we do what you would call homeschool. And I'm not afraid to include chores during that time. Sometimes I've taken a break from book learning so I can use that morning time to teach kids how to dejunk a room or clean the walls in the whole house or clean out the garage. Well, and sometimes that's, uh, those are life skills, you know, that you would you would be learning in a home ec class, but it's so... I mean, it's it's not even real life, you know, the home ec. Right. 
situation. Right. So it's not definitely learning a skill with all of those things. I need to do that. I need to have them de-junk a room. I'm going to add yeah. that in tomorrow. So Yeah, or we'll de-junk the pantry in the kitchen or... You know, that time we can spend talking or listening to books on CD or MP3 files. or So they're still learning auditory type Yeah, stuff, so. and then it makes them more grateful to get back to the normal routine of doing the math and the handwriting. and that, That's great. We've talked about a few benefits that your family has seen. Do you, do you have any other benefits that you want to add for homeschooling? Yeah, I just feel like it's just the best way to get an education <laughs> because <laughs> you don't have to deal with all these rules. And it used to be normal in our country for young people to go off to college at age 14 or 15 or 16, like John Adams and Thomas Jefferson and somewhere along the way. We start to lose the idea that youth was a time to prepare for college, and it became more of a time to just play and delay uh, delay adulthood, basically. Yes, yes. So I've resisted that teenage culture with my kids, and I. So a big reward is I've seen them just be very responsible young adults, and to also see that they are really good friends with each other, which is something I never felt that I had as a youth where I felt like my older brothers had their friends. And even though they were two and five years older than me, it was like our worlds never crossed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so even we were at college together, but I never really felt a part of their world. But now I'm seeing my older kids at college together and they're interacting with each other and introducing each other to each other's friends and having a great time together and that's great and I'm seeing my kids connected to God just in a stronger way than I was at that age just where they've well I don't know may I kind of was the same way but I think I just see it maybe a little stronger in them yeah that they have more of a sense of of what they want to do and they don't they're a lot more confident and they they aren't going to get pushed around by needless rules. <laughs> trying to follow the popular culture or something yeah. like that. My, yeah. my daughter had a job over the summer at a teleservice center, customer service support over the phone. And after about three weeks, she quit because she said, they're not really about supporting the customer. They just give the customers the runaround. And I don't like answering the phone and being told to tell them to go talk to someone else when I know that someone else isn't really going to give them the answer. <laughs> so it's, it's just been great for me to see that they really are thinking for themselves and not just like mimicking. What? Yeah, yeah. And they are more, much more of a leader than I was at that age. That's great. Do you have any long-term goals for yourself? And I mean, I, you probably don't necessarily set goals for your kids, but maybe for as a family mission or something like that. Well, I would love to see us eventually live on a farm and be much more self-sustaining with our food and our, <laughs> our, <laughs> our energy and, you know, live off the grid. That would be my dream <laughs> to be a lot more self-reliant and, you know, to maybe even build our own house. Oh, that would be great. I think that'd be quite an education. Yeah. We've got a little bit of land, and I keep trying to talk my husband into chickens and stuff like that. <laughs> he 
he really doesn't have any desire to do that. And I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. So that'd be great. So what advice or encouragement would you give someone who's just starting out? I would say don't try to mimic public school at home. Study these seasons of learning the phases of learning that the DeMille's call, study educational perennialism and and learn that it's more important to learn principles and apply principles than it is to cram kids with facts and get excited about something. Let your kids see you studying and learning and growing and focus on you and, and let them see that and that will help them get excited and want to learn skills so they can be a leader in whatever they're passionate about. That is great. So do you have a favorite book or resource that you like to share? Well, I love Thomas Jefferson Education by Oliver DeMille. That's a really good starting point. And then the sequel, The Phases of Learning. Those are really good, really good starting points. Great. Just studying how maybe child development too might be a good (laughs) what kids can do. So uh, what changes would you like to see in the world in the future? (laughs) (laughs) I would would love to see more people homeschool. I would love to see people embrace the idea of liberty and everything that they do and be less reliant on the government and see people be uh, interested in being entrepreneurial and finding local solutions for problems instead of looking for the government to solve all the problems in the world. That's somebody else's responsibility and not yeah. take responsibility for themselves. So, Yeah, to form more community with each other because there's such power in community and finding out that people close to you have similar interests and that when we work together, we benefit each other. That is great. That is true. I mean, that's how we work our our Commonwealth schools and a lot of the classes that you have talked about, you know, just working within the community for those and they have enormous impact. So so before we say goodbye, do you have any final parting words of advice? And then also tell us how we can connect with you. Okay. (laughs) Parting words of advice, just give yourself time every day to get in touch with your inner voice your higher power speaking to you and and follow that. That's great. And you can connect with me on my blog, treeoflifemothering.com. My email is celestia at treeoflifemothering.com. And I regularly teach the Mothers Who Know classes, which is a great resource for anybody who feels like you're stuck and that you have self-defeating behavioral patterns that keep you from getting what you want to get out of life. I've had moms take this class and lose. One mom took the class and she applied the principles and she lost 50 pounds. Holy cow. Another mom took the class and stopped her habit of biting her lips. Another mom took the class and was able to overcome trauma from her childhood. It just, it's, it it can apply to a myriad of personal challenges and so if you just go to my website treeoflifemothering.com and click on the mothers who know tab that will tell you when the next class is starting all right well thank you so much for joining us celestia i really have enjoyed looking at your website myself and and gleaning all of the wealth of information that you have on there so i definitely would encourage our listeners to go to 
her website, Tree of Mothering, right? Tree of Life. Of Life Mothering. Yes, treeoflifemothering.com. Okay, and it's automatically programmed (laughs) into my computer, so I haven't even had to look for it. So anyway, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, Rebecca. Great, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. To learn more about Celestia and natural mothering, go to our show notes on theluminousmind.net. Also, be sure to subscribe to our free email list to get the weekly spark, which discusses the shows of the week. Also, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Google+. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes, YouTube, and also on Stitcher. Let us know how we can help you so that we can continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education.